welcome to this edition of In the Author's Voice. I'm Jeff Williams. A new book looks at growing up in a small town and what it means to come home. Author Rick Neese reflects on his own childhood growing up in a small Ohio town in his book, Side Yard Superhero, Life Lessons from an Unlikely Teacher. I talked with Neese recently about the book and what led him to return home. That's a great question. I, I, I think you reached the, I retired two years ago. I've been in education for 45 years and spent the last 17 years as a university president. And I think at that point in your life, you get reflective and start to realize those things that really influenced you and really took you down the path of life and career path and found out this small town of DeGraff, Ohio, town of 900, uh, was such a major influence on my life. And also I had a paper out. When I was nine years old, my father thought uh, I needed to learn fiscal and uh, responsibility of, of being around people and of having and being dependable. And so I took over this paper out. And thinking back on it, I realized what an influence that town, that paper out, and one individual on my paper out had on me that really made a lifelong difference in my life. Uh, I'm assuming that, uh, that you're talking about or referencing uh, Bernie. Jones. Yes. He was a special young man, um, a little older than you were, but yet you had this great connection. Yeah, in fact, I didn't find out until years later that he was 10 years older than I. But, you know, I was nine years old and I took over the route, and I think context of age is very difficult at that point for somebody who's nine years old. But yeah, Bernie was 10 years older than I was, but in, in many ways we were the same age. He, uh, Bernie was afflicted with very severe cerebral palsy, and Every morning, his parents would wheel him out to this small side yard beside their house, and that's where he would spend most of his day, and hence, side yard superhero. And I remember the first time that I delivered the papers to him, I knew about him and I'd heard about him, but I'd never met him. And as a nine-year-old, I was really nervous, and he was so different than I was that I panicked the first time he delivered the paper. Couldn't understand anything he said. Uh, he spoke in a very garbled, very guttural, very low voice. And I finally panicked, just put the paper on his lap, took off on my bike, delivered the rest of the papers, got home and told my father, I can't do this. I have to quit after only one day. But my dad, in very father-knows-best, fatherly advice style, said, here's what I want you to do. You go back and you treat Bernie like you treat any of your other friends, and you work on making Bernie feel comfortable with you. And that second day we discovered we had something in common, and that was the comic strip Dick Tracy. Uh, we both loved Dick Tracy, and this was during the flat top era. Mm -hmm. And every day then I would read him the comic strip Dick Tracy, and then I'd tell him about my day in school or something else, else eventful, because this was an era when... Uh, uh, somebody with a disability that severe did not go to school. And we were in this very small town. I don't think Bernie ever had any type of physical therapy or voice therapy. Uh, but over the years then, we developed a friendship. And I was even able at times to take him out of that side yard and took him on my newspaper route once. And we celebrated Halloween once. We even had a small carnival that came to DeGraff and got to take him to the carnival. And that's the other influence looking back on what an influence he was on me, and my looking at people who are different than I am and realizing that in so many ways we're all the same. You, you talk about in the book that uh, 
there was what maybe almost forty years between the last time that you saw him right. and then when you were able to see him 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 later in life. What was it? Why was that so important yeah. to you? you? You talk about a call that your your mother gave you <laughs> or called you and woke you up and said, "I found him. I know where he is." What? Why was that so important all those years later? Yeah, that was. Uh, but my mother, my mother lived in Arizona, and we lived in Arkansas. My mother could never keep the time difference between Arizona and Arkansas. So yeah, it was very late one night. Uh, the last time I saw Bernie, and I can remember this day distinctly, the last time I delivered the paper, I had told him that I would see him again. I promised I would see him again. Um, I went to Ohio State University, and as as you know, oftentimes school, career, geographical distance gets in the way. And I finally came back six years later to visit him, and lo and behold, he was gone. His parents had both died, and he was taken in by a relative somewhere, but nobody knew where. And I had thought about him so much over the years, and had never connected with him. So my mother knew that, and she called me one night. She said, I know where Bernie Jones is. He's in a nursing home in Ohio. So the book starts in the present, then drifts back softly for me to recapture the memories of Bernie, DeGraff, and, and other small-town characters that, that exist in a, in a town of 900. Then the book ends when I'm able to go to that nursing home and visit Bernie. And, and Jeff, it was important for me because I, just, I wanted to see him again. I wanted to talk to him again. I wanted to know, him to know what an influence he had been on my life and that many of the career successes that I had, I really attributed to him and life lessons that I had learned from him. Was it his, I know I often in, in working with individuals that, that have, that are in special circumstances and have special needs, that they often have a very pure and unfiltered yes. look on life. Is that what connected with you, or what, what was it about Bernie? That, that, just, that, that, you know, that, that certainly is part of it. Uh, that, that connected strongly. I think the other thing was he never complained. And here was a guy who had every reason in the world to complain. So consequently, as a university president, word got around campus pretty quickly, don't go into his office and just complain. He's not going to listen to you. Because I, I learned pretty quickly to, dis, to disregard complainers. Um, I also learned compassion. He was the most compassionate, and he was also the most inquisitive. I mean, they're just... His mind never stopped working. He would always call me Ricky, my boy. And when I would be going down this small hill, going over railroad tracks, I could hear him going, Ricky, my boy, Ricky, my boy, hurry down here. And he'd get down here, and he'd had some idea. Um, most of his ideas were absolutely impractical, but he had spent most of that day thinking about some of the things we could do. And one of the things when we met, and, and I even kind of messed up when I say this, I came into his room. He was lying in a bed, and it's the first, it was only the second time I'd ever seen him out of his wheelchair. And our eyes didn't meet for several seconds, and I could look around his room and get a feel for his surroundings. And he turned to me, and I saw kind of an unfamiliar recognition on his face. And I said, Bernie, it's Rick Neesh, your old paper boy from DeGraff. And I quickly rephrased my, my, my greeting, and I said, Bernie, it's Ricky Neesh from DeGraff, and he said, Ricky, my boy, Ricky, my boy, Ricky, my boy, and I can still see his face and still hear those words, and that face of such delight, 
And then later in the conversation, he said something that's always stuck with me. He looked at me and he said, I guess you didn't forget about me. And that, that still touches me today. Mm-hmm. You, you talk of the book, because that was the last opportunity that you had to, to visit with him. I think he, he passed shortly right. after that visit. I thought it was really interesting and telling that you, you talked about in the book that usually when you parted, you, you didn't say goodbye. But yeah. on that particular evening, after having been able to spend several hours with him, he said goodbye. He said, he's, yeah, he said, goodbye, Ricky, and, I, and I'm, that was the last thing he said. And I said, oh, Bernie, not goodbye. I'll see you again. I promise I'll see you again. And to the day, five weeks later, I got a, uh, a notice that he had, had died. And a lady sent me his obituary. And in many ways, I regretted not having seen him sooner. In many ways, I thought, my goodness. I've, I got some closure on this because there were still so many more things I wanted to talk to him about, but at least I got to see him that last time. In the book, you also talk about, uh, just in general, a lot of folks on your on your paper route, and uh, I'm old enough to still know what a paper route is. I had one in the late 70s. <laughs> uh, I think I had to collect $3 a week from everyone on my route, but it, it, it just struck me, anyone, that's, anyone that grew up in... in Small town America, especially in in the Midwest, I think uh, the exploits you talk about will resonate a lot. There's one in particular toward the end of the end of the book. It was I think it was toward the end of uh, end of your route. You'd given the route over, and you're, I think you're getting ready to go off off to college. And um, I think one of the folks on your on your route, um, she gave you a rug. Yes. And she the gave story me. behind that rug, it could have been my grandmother talking. Oh my gosh, to me. she. And, 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 and Jeff, I, I think in many ways you hit it on the head. What I hope this book does is help people relive their own memories. And then for young children, because I think this is a book that grandparents can share with grandchildren or grandchildren can share with grandparents. Uh, there's nothing offensive about the book, and I, I think it's cross-generational in that way. And I'll bet most students or young people have never heard of a rag rug. And, <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> and, and what had happened, that had been a gift to Mrs. Harshbarger from her mother to her when she got married. And her, she never wanted her daughter's feet to touch a cold floor in the morning. And the title of that chapter is The Warmth of a New Morning. And she made a rag rug for me. And when I went to Ohio State, that was the first thing that I put in my very sterile dormitory room. In fact, you'll like this, a, a dormitory that had more students in my hometown had people <laughs> and that was the first thing I put down and every morning I would get up my feet would touch that right rug. It, you, you touch upon this and I think it's so true with the, with the number of students that we see that, 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 that come in the door and they have such even ones that are from smaller towns now they have with the um, with the internet and the instant access right. to information and with a very different family structure than what many of us 30 or 40, 50 years ago grew grew up with, that there is, I don't know, I don't want to call it a sense of innocence, but there is something that is, that I know that they did not experience that you 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 chronicle wonderfully in, in this book. Yeah, and, and Jeff, I, I know exactly what you're saying, and I'm not sure I can explain it um, any better. There, even though young people were connected, and we're all connected more than we ever were before, it's not that kind of a connection that's a tactile connection that, that you can feel and you can smell and you can, t- you know, you can touch. Uh, it's a connection 
and, and I mean on, on our campus, uh, people would be connected to their parents several times a day, either through telephone call or text message. And I think part of the difference is, and, and I've thought a lot about this, when I was raised in that small town, there were four major influences on my life. Certainly my family, my church, my school, and my community, where they made a sense of community for me, a place where I felt safe and secure. We would have students who would come to campus that maybe only had one of two of those and some students who didn't have any. You're right, it is a different family structure. It is a different school structure. Uh, for many, it's a different church structure and certainly a different community structure. And I've always, uh, the last campus where I was president for 16 years, we only had 700 students. And I really tried to develop a sense of community for them that I felt, and for the faculty and staff, where we were a group of people who looked out for one another and cared for one another. Uh, that sense of community was, was such an important part of my life, and I wanted to make it an important part of other people's lives as well. Certainly is a timeless lesson that hopefully uh, anyone that, that picks up the book will, uh, will better understand if they've, if they've not had a chance to, uh, to experience that. Is that what you're hoping people take away? From yes, I do. I, I really do. I, I, I hope people take away the importance of memories. And in, in this, my gosh, this is such a hectic time politically, socially, and economically. Just a chance to kind of escape read a book with a strong narrative and, and interesting characters, and I've, that I'm able to recapture memories for them, and they in turn can recapture their own memories. Um, th that to me is the importance of the, of the book. Could, could, could I say, Jeff, you know, I, my, my website is Rick Books. That's N-I-E-C-E books.com. RickNeesBooks.com. And on the website, there are, there's a book trailer for the book, and book trailer like a movie trailer, but it also there's some other stories and uh, some pictures, and I think people connect maybe can connect a little more with me and with the book. That's author Rick Neese talking about his latest book, Side Yard Superhero: Life Lessons from an Unlikely Teacher. In the author's voice is a listener-supported service of WSIU and Southern Illinois University Carbondale. I'm Jeff Williams.